Good morning, church. As one of my really good friends, Josh Owens, who served in student ministries for, I think, is it 14 years now? 14 years, Josh Owens. So he, he teaches me things in student ministries. So as uh, has been said twice now, my name is Alex Anderson. I serve here as a pastor of student ministries and a lot of other things. Um, that's the easy way to put it. But my primary goal is to serve students really well. And I've done that now for almost 11 years at this church. Um, and it is a joy, thank you. Um, it's a joy. And what that means though, is that I teach a little bit differently than maybe Mark Vrogop or Brad Merchant or Jeff Brown. Um, I, I like to be interactive with you. I, I wanted to bring about 10 of you up on this stage at one point and do things and interact and get into God's word together. Um, I chose not to do that this morning because I can just choose a kid by name and there's too many of you to choose by name. But it is a joy to serve in student ministries. It, it truly is. And with that means that a variety of challenges come our way. So before I get into my text, I just wanna, and I, I, didn't, I didn't wanna do this to like scare you or, or to be weird or to be not in the text, but can I just ask you before we even get into God's word, can, can you pray for our student ministries pretty regularly? It's a tough season. Coming out of COVID and being in school and the things that are always changing and constantly on the horizon, um, our text is gonna speak into this word revive, and, and our students feel that in a way that I'm not sure that I can explain. Um, and so if you, if you wouldn't mind, just throughout your week and even throughout the next year or throughout your whole life, if you think of a 16-year-old, would you pray for him? Um, can we commit to doing that together as a church? See, see I asked a question, and, and I'm in student ministries, and I need some interaction, okay? Can, can we commit to doing that as a church? Thank you, thank you. All right, so we're gonna try that a little bit more throughout, throughout this morning. We're gonna try something, okay? If you have black hair, can you raise your hand? Okay, raise your hand, this is not, no shame, okay? Just if you, no shame on, the, on black hair, okay? Okay, you can put your hand down. If you're under 18, can you raise your hand? Oh yes, these are my people, okay? All right? If you are over 18, raise your hand. There you go, all right? If you are the humblest person you know. <laughs> good job. And all the under 18 year olds were like, there they were. Now I'm gonna ask a question that might divide the room or put me as the only person in the room. I have socks on that have a Duke basketball signal on them. Is there any Duke fans in here? Hey, there's a few. Okay, we've got a few clap people. Okay, thank you. That made me feel welcomed here. I was a little nervous. So last week, Pastor Mark set us up really, really well by talking about the underdog. But he didn't say the word St. Peter's. <laughs> I know, and a few of you are like, thank you, because you're Purdue fans, and I'm really sorry. And I lost half of you because you don't care about basketball. St. Peter's is the first ever number 15 seed to make it into the Elite Eight. It's pretty incredible, actually. We don't need to clap for that, though. That's not why we're here. But we're gonna interact together in Isaiah 56 and 57. So I hope you feel like you can interact with me now. This is a safe place to get into Isaiah 56 and then Isaiah 57. But before you do that, I need to pray. So would you pray with me? Father, I'm probably the most anxious person in the room right now. 
But Lord, this text is incredible. Lord, it shows who you are. It shows your saving power and your mercy. It shows how you care for your people. And Lord, I want nothing more than for the word of God to come alive for the people in this room. So Lord, I pray that you do that today. I know you will, you promise you will. So Lord, help me in my words. Help this congregation in their hearing. Lord, would the spirit move swiftly through this room this morning. Lord, we pray these things in your son's name, amen. Isaiah 56, verse one. We cannot move on in the text unless we look at verse one. We, we cannot do it, okay? Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness will be revealed. God is asking, have you discovered the power of the future of his saving grace? The Lord's saving power is for you, for all the people in the room. And his justice and his mercy is how we treat people. The reason this is the tone setter, the reason verse one is the tone setter is because it does both the things that we're gonna look at this morning. How we treat people with justice and righteousness and how the Lord saves and his saving power is yet to come and will be fulfilled in Jesus. We're gonna look at both of those things this morning. Am I gonna go through every line verse by verse through 56 and through 57? I'm not. We do not have time for that. But friend, can I encourage you to go back after this and look at 56 and 57 because we could spend about three weeks probably in these, the, this text before us. So, that brings me to my first point. My first point, you are welcome. Not the Chick-fil-A, you go through the line and they say my pleasure type of welcome. Not that the door was held for you, the person says thank you, and you say, or no, reverse that, sorry. They say, you're welcome. That's not the type of you're welcome I'm talking about. I'm talking about you are welcome. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Have you ever entered into a party and you began to look around and you're like, how are all of these people in here? Like, like they're very, very different. That person has this job, that person has that job. That person's age is this, that person's age is this. They came from here, and they came from here. And you enter and you begin to look around, and you're like, how in the world are these people interacting with one another right now? Might I ask, is that not this place this morning? How in the world are you sitting here with people that you have no clue their story? You have no clue where they came from. Some of you, you've never been here in your life. Some of you, you're sitting next to a person you've never met in your life. And here's what verse three says. Look at it with me. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. It's incredible, church. Don't tell yourself the, war, the Lord won't receive you. Don't tell yourself that. You might not have a church home. You might not feel like this is the place you're supposed to be. You might not feel like you fit in. You might have some serious church hurt that you're even hesitant to bring up. 
But here's what verse five says. I will give in my house you a name with the walls and a monument and a name better than the sons and the daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. He gives you that name. Every week I have the pleasure of sitting in a Monday morning meeting, which some of you are like, that doesn't sound like fun. This Monday morning meeting is a very encouraging meeting because I get to hear about all the stories and the new people that entered in to this church. Did you know that over the past two weeks, 20 unique people who are new have been to this church? 20. Even if it was two, even if it was one, it's a miracle. We have no clue their story walking in here. We have no idea why they're even in the room. Yet the unfortunate reality is they ask the question, am I welcome there? They ask the question, should I be here? Or, as the text says, let not the foreigner who has joined us of the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Are they asking the question, is the Lord for me? In Isaiah, we see a foreigner, a person who is considered maybe far off, ask the question, am I welcome there? Does the Lord welcome me in? And ought not the church be the place that the farest of far off are welcome? Because let's be honest, friends, if we understand who we are, we understand that we are the farest of far off in need of a savior. We are in need of undeserving grace that God gives us. We are in need of a grace of which we do not deserve and have never deserved, but the Lord graciously continues to give it to us. So don't ask the question because the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. You're welcome here. This church, our church, College Park Church, I pray, and I heard this said one time by one of my best friends, is a ministry of mercy. Are we a ministry of mercy? That this is a place where no judgment is found, but that grace does abound. I'm gonna say that again. That this is not a place where judgment is found, but that grace does abound. Verse six, and the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my high and holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. That the foreigner who is walking by knows this place is a place of mercy. That the foreigner who is walking by knows that this place is a place that they are welcome. That everyone who keeps the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant. Not just a few, not just some. Everyone. That the cross was not meant just for me, but was meant for all who believe that we understand what a ministry of mercy looks like. Now let's back up to where the Lord calls this a house of prayer for just a second. You see it at the end of verse seven. For my house shall be called a house of prayer 
For who? All peoples. For every tongue, tribe, and nation. Do you remember in the book of Mark when Jesus drove out the people of the temple because they were not used in the temple for the right purposes? Do you remember that? Thank you. See, we gotta do this together or else it's not gonna be any fun and, and I'm, I'm gonna have to go sit down. I don't wanna do that, okay? Do you remember that? Awesome, thank you. Listen to this story. I read this in a commentator and I, I couldn't help but pass it up because it helped me understand so, so much. So listen to this as I read it. Chuck Smith was pastoring a little church in California, not far from the beach. God began to pour out his spirit. Here's probably the real reason I like it. Teenagers started getting saved and coming to church. But there was a problem. The oil deposits off the coast of California bubble up little globs of oil that land on the beach now and then, about a size of a quarter. If you step on one, it sticks to the bottom of your foot and you mess up the carpet when you get home. So these young people began coming into the church right off the beach. They didn't know they were supposed to wear shoes. All they knew was Jesus was out of sight and the church was cool. God was gathering in outsiders and it was beautifully authentic. But the new carpets and the new pews at Pastor Smith's church were getting stained. One Sunday morning, Chuck arrived at his church to find a sign posted outside that said, shirts and shoes, please. He took it down. After the service, he met with the church officers. They talked it through. They agreed that they would remove the new carpet and the new pews before it would hinder one kid from coming in the church. And that wise decision cleared the way for God to visit Calvary Chapel with revival. The breakthrough came when they chose to care about what God cares about and nothing else. That is authenticity a house of prayer gathering in everyone who will enjoy Christ with us as our Sabbath rest. Amen. Now, I said I work in student ministries, and this story gripped me, and here's why. Because at four o'clock on Sunday nights, that atrium, you wouldn't recognize it, okay? Nine squares out there, octoballs out there, pizzas out there, candies out there, cornhole, if you like to call it bags, that's out there. And this place turns into a completely different place. It's loud. It's awesome. But imagine if the youth pastor got angry every single time he found a pizza crust at the floor. Because it'd be every week. <laughs> imagine. Imagine with me. The octoball. If you don't know what octoball is, ask a student, okay? Imagine if the octoball, which is a dodgeball, flew across the atrium and hit a TV. Imagine with me. It's never happened. But imagine with me. <laughs> promise. And I got frustrated every single time. And I got up here and I said, guys, is that what we're really about? No. I'm about getting kids in the door to hear about Jesus. And I'm not going to let a pizza crust get in the way of that. So friend, is everyone welcome here? And are we making it a place that everyone feels welcome here? Or are you stuck about you walking in the door and getting to your seat and sitting down in your seat and singing really great worship songs and hearing a decent sermon from me, not from Pastor Mark, okay? 
You pray and you leave. Is this the environment by which the Lord's house should be? In addition to, I see that this house should be called a what? A house of prayer. So you know what we're gonna do this morning? We're gonna pray together right now. And if you didn't know, we have a thing called worship-based prayer night. And it's happening tonight at five o'clock. And this is what we do at worship-based prayer night. We pray. And so I wanna practice a little bit with you this morning praying, give you a little bit of foretaste of what a worship-based prayer night might feel like. Now, we're not gonna get up and move around the room. I'm not gonna ask you to get in groups of seven. I just want you to talk to the Lord. And here's what I want you to talk to the Lord about. Where do you find yourself right now in relationship with the Lord? If he's the God who saves, and this is to be a house of prayer, where do you find yourself in relationship with the Lord right now? And in that place, do you feel unaccepted or do you feel accepted? And and the thing is, at the end, here's what we're gonna all commit to when you're done praying. Committing to holding fast to the covenant of the Lord and asking you and asking the Lord to show you his grace and his mercy to follow after him. So we're gonna have maybe the longest, quietest minute you've had all week. And we're gonna pray together. So take some time and ask the question, where are you in relationship with the Lord right now? Feeling accepted or unaccepted? And asking him to hold fast to yourself in grace and mercy as you follow after him. Take a minute. Jesus, you promise that you love us and will never forsake us. You promise that you are near to the brokenhearted. And so, Father, as we enter into even chapter 57, will we know that to be true? Lord, we commit to holding fast to the Lord. And Lord, we ask you to show us your grace and your mercy and restore joy to us. For some, that was the longest minute and the quietest minute they had all week, and I pray that they find joy in that, talking to their amazing Savior. Amen. Chapter 57. Incredible chapter in the Bible. It's amazing how God is about to talk to us. Verse 14 says this, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle from my people's way. He removes every 
obstacle, friend. And that's really important. Verse 14 sets up again. We're talking about the tone setting verse. This is the tone setting verse for the rest of the chapter. Remove every obstacle from my people's way. Why? Verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits all of eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy places, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit. The God of the universe, the God who holds all the cosmos in his hands, who inhabits all of eternity, he deals with the lowly. Where is God? He's in two places. He's in the places we cannot go, high and holy places, and he also is where we are with the lowly. He deals in two places. Listen to this quote, I I have it on the screen as well. God is not like us. For us, there is no neighborhood too classy for us to move up to, if only we can afford it. But God doesn't value upward mobility. Not because he feels uncomfortable dwelling in the high and holy place, but because down low is where he finds the people who are open to him. Incredible. But the verse doesn't stop there, okay? The verse doesn't stop. It continues. He does this, why? To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now, I might say the word revival and a few of you shrink in your chair because you've, you've driven by the sign that says, revival happens here. And don't lie, some of you have thought, does it? You thought it. Some of you grew up, though, in a revival tent, and that's where you got saved. Some of you grew up hearing the word revival maybe misused even. And can I encourage you that revival is not scheduled True revival happens when the Spirit of God blows over a church. When the Spirit of God stirs up and restores a person. It's not a tent and it's not a sign. Revival happens when you have no clue what's happening in your life. You're questioning everything that is happening in your life. When you see no other way out and you are brought low before the Lord. And he restores you to a heart of joy and gratitude. That is when revival happens. When you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day. That's the first thought you have. Anybody ever had that? I have. I woke up at 5.30 this morning, eyes wide open, terrified to stand in front of you. I did. Not because I'm terrified of you, but because this word of God is so holy. And I don't want to screw it up. It's incredible, friends, because when you wake up in the morning, you have that thought, and you start going down, and then you get to say these words, but my God revives the spirit of the lowly. That's revival, when he does something in you. Revival is also when there's a person sitting in here who doesn't know anything about Jesus. Maybe it's your first Sunday, and you're like, man, who is this Jesus guy? I want to get to know him, and that person gets saved. That's revival. It's incredible. Revival happens when we as a church are brought low 
and understand we need Jesus to come to a place who God created you to be in the image of God, saved by the power of Jesus and brought low before an almighty God. I remember not that long ago, Pastor Mark kept talking about this idea of saying, go low. Does anybody else remember that? Does anybody else remember now that I've refreshed your mind a little bit, go low? He must have said it 75 times in the sermon, go low. Go low. Be humble. Go low before the Lord. He will meet you there. I promise. He says it in his word. Why does he deal in the high and the holy places? And why does he deal with the lowly? Because he wants to revive the spirit of the lowly. Let's read verse 18. Actually, let's not read verse 18. Let's back up to verse 16. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me in the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the ways of his heart. Now let's look at verse 18. I have seen his ways. Stop there. He has seen your ways. He's seen my ways this week. He's seen your ways this week. And do you know what he says? Keep reading verse 18. But I will heal him. I will lead him. I will restore comfort to him and his mourners. So church, not to scare you, but are we a church who is filled with humbleness to the openness to Christ that is revival ready? Are you revival ready? Not to say that this church is gonna be filled with 6,000 people, that's not my concern. My concern is for the individual person to go low before Jesus to be revival ready in the spirit of God. That's what we're talking about. Matthew 11, listen to this. Maybe you just need to close your eyes in this moment. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's who our God is. Isaiah 40, not that long ago, we discussed this. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow weary or faint. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That is the word of the Lord. So when I read verse 18, I have seen his ways. The Lord has seen me and yet he will heal me. The Lord has seen me and yet he will lead me. The Lord has seen me and yet he will restore me. Friend, are you thankful to the Lord? is the one who heals? 
Are you thankful that the Lord is the one who revives? If it were up to you, you would not be revived. If it were up to you, you would not be healed. If it were up to you, you would find no comfort in yourself. I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, I cannot imagine dealing with the death of a loved one without Jesus. We've all said that, but have you felt that? I could not imagine walking that road. And what I read in verse 18 is that he walks it with us. So we're gonna close just a little bit differently tonight. And I, I wanna read to you James 5, what it says. And I said tonight, it's still the morning. Thank you, I know. See, I'm glad that you can still laugh at my scripts because teenagers do, and I was a little nervous that you guys might not, all right? James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church that they may, and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. So we're gonna close a little differently this morning. We're gonna sing a song as we close and hear the words of the song. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Leaving behind your regrets and mistakes, come today. There is no reason to wait. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joys. For from the ashes, a new life is born. Why can we sing that? Because of verse 18, friends. Because he has seen your ways and he will heal you. Because he has seen your ways and he will bring comfort. So if, if you're sitting in here this morning and you're low and you're hurting, you're in pain, you need prayer, you just need to talk to the Lord. This is a time for you. Here's what I'm gonna ask. If you wanna, you can worship in whatever posture that you choose. If you wanna stay in your seat and you wanna sit and you wanna talk to the Lord, great. If you need to turn around and, and get on your knees before an almighty God, on that chair, do it. If you need to come forward and use this space right here to go low before the Lord, do it. There are elders that are prepared to come up behind you and lay their hand on you and pray for you. If your friend's sitting next to you, it doesn't have to be an elder, if your friend's sitting next to you, we can practice community here. You can come forward and pray and your friend can come up behind you and they can pray with you. If you're in here and you have no idea who Jesus is, this, I am so glad that this is the place you chose to worship this morning. We wanna pray with you. We wanna show you who Jesus is. So the band is gonna sing a song and, and this time is for you and the Lord.
to be brought low. Let's pray. Father in heaven, only you can do the things that you promise you do. We cannot. And so Father, I pray for the person in here who, who needs you and, and they wanna come to you and they need healing and they're sick and they're broken. They have a situation in their life that they have no clue what's gonna happen. Or would they know that you have them in that position to be revived by your spirit? Or would they trust you with that though? Will we be a people who trust? Oh, we love you and we pray these things in your beautiful son's name. Amen.